I really like um, being on a product team and getting down to test it. It's, it's a lot of fun finding things that are broken. It's, it's a lot of fun to save the day. It really is. <laughs> Hey, George. Dan, what, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, we have a really exciting episode coming up in a common theme. We've been taking some time lately to really dive into what we're calling a day in the life of dot, dot, dot. And really what we're trying to dive into is what does it look like uh, a day in the life of the individuals that are behind the products that we're mm. building. Mm. Um, our podcast, obviously, people of product, oh, it goes yeah. with the name. Uh-huh. So we're kind of, you know, like things with like things. But as passionate as we are about uh, innovation and creating products that uh, benefit society, that help our customers, that hopefully in return help their customers, we are just as excited, if not more, about the individuals that are behind there. The perspectives that are created by when you have a team of uh, like-minded people, but with different crafts, different skills coming together to to build some amazing things. And uh, so when we talk about people of product, we are looking at product managers and designers and developers and test engineers. And it just so happens today Mm. that with us today, we have uh, Courtney Johnston Von Nita, who is uh, in the test engineering craft at Crema. Welcome, Courtney. Hi. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really good. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Absolutely. It's really good to be with you. And uh, wanted to just kick off with a question. Really, just tell us a little bit about your role. What is uh, a typical day look like for a test engineer at Crema? So uh, test engineering at Crema, it's really about being flexible and finding balance. So um, it changes a little bit throughout a two-week cycle, since that's how we normally do our sprints. Typical day is going to be about seeing where you're at currently in that sprint cycle, reviewing things that are currently assigned to me first, so I can prioritize my work based on, do I have any new tickets that I need to get through? Mm -hmm. And then I also need to go back and catch up with my teams, see where they're at, see if there's anything they need from me, or if they've answered any of the questions that I've posed while they were away. And then getting that in order so that I can start focusing first and foremost on making sure the new functionality that we're building is working correctly as expected as a user would want it to work. And if there are any issues with that, that those are quickly turned back around to the development team or the designers to talk through. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, it's just uh, just working with the teams. So your first answer. So if I was starting at Crema day one, as a test engineer. And I went to you, Courtney, and I said, okay, what, you know, what, what's my typical day going to look like? And you said flexibility in finding balance. I think what I expected was something a little bit more on the tacky jargon side, but you said flexibility and finding balance. Go into that a little bit. That's interesting. You definitely kind of started more from the uh, generalization or philosophically of like test engineering and where it fits. So go into that a little bit more. Sure. We're a tech team. Definitely. We're part of the tech team. But the biggest differentiation between us and the developers is the developers work never ends. So there's always new features to develop. 
And so those features are always there waiting, but for testing, we're kind of waiting on that stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. And so we aren't in a, like a one-to-one cadence with them. So as our sprints go at the beginning of the sprints, we generally have a much slower pace that Mm -hmm. builds up towards the uh, sprint end. So the first five days- features are getting finished and Mm. ready to review? Yes. Yeah. So the first five days of a sprint are lighter for us than the latter five. Mm -hmm. And that's where we can kind of focus on different activities. Mm -hmm. So the last five are pretty much heads down, making sure that we're not holding up the development team at all by turning around issues that they come up with and also verifying the stuff is good so they can merge all their code in. And then the front half, we can load it with um, more exploratory testing activities, accessibility testing, automation of features that we aren't necessarily able to get to as features come in. How often are you involved, whether it's the beginning of a sprint or maybe as you guys are planning out like a milestone, um, what, what does it look like for the test engineers in that planning phase during the beginning of saying, you know, we want this feature to exist or we think this ought to be there. Hmm. What's, what's the role of the test engineer in that stage of the project? We really need to look at the designs and get on the same page with the development team on how they want to build it so that we know what to test and how to test. Mm-hmm. How, how deep a feature is, how, how many connections it makes to other sources, that's going to vastly change uh, how we test and how long the testing cycle is going to need to be. Yeah, so of course, because I mean, it, it could scale up way up or way down depending on the complexity. Yeah, so we have to knock that out right up front and then really look forward to like, all right, at the very end when we want to release it, this is what we really need to have in place just so we have the time to make sure that it's fully tested. So when you say testing, what does that mean? So define a little bit, like, what does testing mean? What are you testing? Is there different kinds of testing? Uh, going, yeah, for those, uh, I think little, our yeah. audience is pretty mixed. So there may be people Absolutely. that aren't familiar with test engineering in general. Right. Give us, a, give us a, a little 101. Like, what does a test engineer do? Survey. Survey it for yeah. us. So our view of testing is... Traditional quality assurance roles, um, it's kind of a split between testing and checking. So we do, we do a little bit of both. We mm-hmm. get tickets and they have specific requirements, specific acceptance uh, criteria that need to be met. So we're testing those specifically and checking to make sure that those minimums are being met. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, we're also testing around those features. We're looking for information that tells us if we're on the right track, if there is an edge case that might pop up, we're trying different things to really shore it up and to make sure that it's a quality piece of software that is accounting for more than just what's in that little acceptance criteria. We don't wanna build it exactly to a spec and miss something if we were able to really look into it and make it the best that we can. I think that's something we didn't even know, how do I say this? I did, before, uh, uh-huh. before I know where you're going. I know you know I had the same we, question. Uh-huh. <clears throat> like we didn't even know what we didn't know um, <laughs> until you came into Crema and really started to help shape what you know testing and quality was at Crema. And I remember that being like, how did we never see this before? <laughs> like not only from right. of course yes does it do the thing that we said it would do because engineers love to say it functionally does it. 
Mm-hmm. But then you took it with your team so much further into, well, yeah, it functionally does it, but no one will ever click that button that way. Mm-hmm. I think, how, how do you look at product with, with those two lenses of not only the functionally, yes, it is possible to do the thing that the ticket says, but also the user will actually take 17 different paths to get there or you know they they might not ever see that how do you how do you throttle that lens um in your day-to-day there's a real expectation i have set where above all else i'm just a super user i love that and so i I have to i have my own minimums of expectation for how um different apps and different websites should interact and work Mm -hmm. and so Every time I start testing something, I test it to both the spec, but also as someone that's been, you know, using websites and apps forever, how do I really expect it to go? And does it feel right? Mm -hmm. It's a really hard thing to quantify, Mm -hmm. but you know how things should feel once you've used apps multiple times. You kind of get a sense of this is the way my brain wants something to look, or this is how something will stand out enough for me to know to click it. Hmm. I don't know why, but I love that you just said that around this like subjectivity slash you just kind of intuitively know mm-hmm. that it brings a level of art into the science of test engineering. It just brings a level. It's like objectively, it's kind of like if you were to go exercise, yes, I can I can definitely make my knees bend and, and squat. That, that's what they're supposed to do. But there's a difference between training and performing and getting it to where you're flourishing to a certain level of goal. So it's like, yes, functionally it works, but I feel like I could do better or I feel be, like it could be, be better. Right. Yeah. I like and that, that plays into your accessibility um, mm-hmm. mindset as well, because it may be great for someone who has perfect eyesight and can hear the click. Mm-hmm. and you know name off kind of all these particular senses and skills what happens if they don't what happens if they can't how do, how does our product serve that individual how how are you guys thinking i know that's a big theme for us um over the last maybe you know year or so and then going forward get better at that how does accessibility become a part of that testing we we really want to focus on bettering ourselves at learning and trying to remove some there's been a broad range of ideas of, oh, you can use a screen reader or you can use these other tools, but still the way that we would use a screen reader would be different than the Mm. way someone else might be using it on a daily basis. And so in addition to just learning about everything, we need to, we're, we're taking some time to look into sources and seeing people actually using things and trying to figure out the gap between how we would set things up and how they really need to be set up should be a real world use case because the biggest hesitation there is making sure that we're not testing it incorrectly. Interesting. How, how do you know that? I mean, can you give me any examples of what, what that might look like? There's, there's a lot of good um, people in the accessibility space that are just showing off how you actually, how they actually would use something, the speed at which they actually hear things read to them. Yeah. Um, the methods in which that they touch a screen or have it flash at them to see that there is a notification. Mm. Um, There's a lot of things that when we first started looking into screen readers, we weren't letting them read fast enough. We were still needing to understand it in the way that we would read. 
and Interesting. We, we weren't really going far enough into using things because there's still a real world application for how they work. So that's that's one of like one of the reasons why we're pushing into accessibility is we have a good idea of it now. What does it actually look like in practice, and yeah. will it actually? what we test for accessibility, will that actually pass muster with someone that actually needs to use assistive devices or alternative modes in their browser? Mm -hmm. So a significant amount of theory that needs to be put actually applied into practice. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, so anyone that's been around software or uh, from a development standpoint knows that, that tools are used and a lot of tools are used. Um, and for companies like us, that we're continually investigating new tools just to see if we can become more effective or if it might work better for our teams. But in your role um, as a test engineer, what are some of the tools that you um, and the other test engineers at Criminal use? So um, just at, at the most basic, um, we use Jira and Slack, just as most of our communication and getting our work sent to us and automated so that we're constantly getting things at the right time. Um, so Jira does manage most of our workflow. We do code reviews um, when we get our tasks from developers. And then we've also moved some of our testing to um, pair testing mm. with the developers in GitHub and in VS Code. And that just helps us move our testing up the stack a little bit, make it happen faster. And um, the biggest benefit there is we get to do test coaching with the developers. It's less That's awesome. actual testing that we have to do. And it really handles like the ideas of getting the developers to know exactly what we're looking for and how we would be testing a feature. So just to rephrase that, you're sitting mm -hmm. with developers while they're developing and testing as, as you go is that, is that, am I understanding that correctly? It's, it's some of that and some helping them um, write their own tests. Okay. okay. <clears throat> now, so talk I, a little yeah. bit about, so that touches on some things that again, assuming someone may be more or less familiar with test engineering, <clears throat> talk about what it, what it looks like to write a test. What do you mean when mm. you say write a test? I know what it means like to test something where I could sit down and go, I need to try it on 15 different devices and in 15 different browsers, that's probably how the lowest barrier to like someone understanding like quality testing. Mm -hmm. What does it look like as you start to layer up into actually writing those tests? Uh, the one example we tend to use a lot is like a login screen mm. for an app. So login screen, you generally have a username or email field, a password field, and some sort of submit button mm -hmm. to submit it in. And you get that through the requirements for it are probably like you need to be able to log in and if someone logs in with error with the wrong username or password it puts an error on the screen right um from my perspective that turns into multiple multiple tests that we need to write the um the username the email list, different variations on that um making sure that the password doesn't show that a lot of people use password managers. So mm -hmm. nothing we do in the password manager field can, those won't hide anything that we put in there. A lot of people put like little show buttons or the eyeball icon to show your password and those get hidden by password managers. Um, there's security concerns on if someone puts in the wrong username or password, if you tell them 
oh, your password is wrong, then they know the username is right. So that's another oh, test we want to write for mm. is making sure that we don't give away that, yeah, you just found a good username in our system. Now you just have to figure out the password. Hmm. And then there's a whole host of tests around like forgetting, forgetting your password and resetting right. your password. So if you could describe, so um, I'm trying to use an example. So if you were to write a test for um, pa password verification or something like that, password validation, what, what would that test look like? Where would it be, where would it be housed? Is mm -hmm. it, is that in, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, like, tell me what is that it, looks yeah. like to is educate me. Is it in the computer? Me. Is it in the computer? <laughs> It's somewhere yeah. in the computer. It's in a computer, <laughs> I've, I, I would guess. <laughs> now, you know, when we're talking about tools as well, mm -hmm. tell me, like, is there a tool set that you use? Are you, is, is it being written into the mm -hmm. code? I mean, like, tell me a little bit about what that looks like. So everything gets tested a few different ways. So I would say the first part of that would be um, in the JIRA ticket, we kind of write out some basic steps as to what we're looking for beyond the acceptance criteria. Mm -hmm. And then um, we would also start exploratory testing, which is the process where we just kind of pick and choose an area where we think there might be issues or edge cases. And we time box um, anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours to just focus specifically on this one area and doing anything we can think of that is in that area that might trip something up. Got it. And so that, that mostly gets um, captured in uh, either the ticket mm -hmm. or Miro. We use Miro a lot to oh, kind of cool. mind map out steps. Um, we don't do a lot of step-by-step -step documentation, mm -hmm. um, but we do a lot of mind maps in Miro where we say we're focusing on this specific piece and we'll drop out from the mind map, like a, the center bubble, it'll go to login or it'll go mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. password. And then it'll step out from each part there and the different individual pieces we want to test. Mm. And then um, as part of all this, you know, we would look through the, the code that the developer has written to test it specifically. And then we could use something, they, they tend to use Cypress, um, okay. which is a web-based automation tool. Mm -hmm. It's uh, open source. We tend to also use that just so that we're speaking a common language. Uh, the difference between our tests is a lot of their, the development tests are gonna be using mocked data in the backend. Mm -hmm. Oh sure. And yeah. our our tests, our, our automated tests through Cypress are going to be fully integrated because we want to test that full end-to-end -end data flow. Mm -hmm. I see. And so we we depending on the project, we either store the Cypress test we write either in the same repo as the code, or we might make our own testing repo that goes alongside it if we want to kind of separate it out a little more. So correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> You're thinking about usability accessibility, actually looking at the code, automating your testing, exploration, accessibility. User experience. Well, yeah, usability, yeah, usability. You're, you're thinking about communicating with developers and product managers. You're thinking about, I feel like that list could keep going for a lot longer. <laughs> it, it can. Um, it's an extreme, I think now I understand. Now I understand why you started with you need to be what you, you flexible and flexibility and finding balance. 
and balance because Mm -hmm. in order to see all those things, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. you need to understand all of product Mm -hmm. if you want to be a good test engineer. And I think that's, um, that's a really unique space to be in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to have that flexibility. Yeah. I think beyond like, beyond our actual role of test engineer, what we're really trying to do when we're on a product team is to be the subject matter expert Mm. for the Mm. client, to Mm. really be able to understand their product well enough that we can step in both the product owner's eyes and test from that vision or the actual end user's eyes Mm -hmm. and test from the way that they would be using an app. That was going to be one of my questions, Courtney, is how often in either a product company or a studio like us who make products for other uh, companies, are you interacting with the client or should, or would like to interact with the client? Cause I can imagine that for us, sure. But even on a product company, trying to get as much information from real users as possible, what does, what does that look like? At the start of a project, we try to get very close to um, product owner and or the marketing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, biggest driver for our work early on is getting any analytics or stats they have about their user base. Sure. That really helps us build up an idea of who we're testing as, um, what other constraints we might have on the system, mobile apps. We really want to know um, what else would be running on their phone, what kind of phones they're using, um, mm-hmm. what kind of connections that they're using right. to be able to really dial that stuff in. Um, we had recently an app that had a older user base and that changed our accessibility requirements Mm, and how how it was used on the screen and the text size so we really want to get in early with um, the people that know best the user base and we set up a lot of things based on that based on um, what browsers we use what phones we use what um, how those are set up specifically to mimic a real Mm. user what other tools we need to be running in the background is that they might be referencing. Right. I'm kind of curious from a kind of interpersonal level. I've, I've heard some horror stories, not at CRIMA, but at other organizations where there can be a level of tension between a development group and a test engineer, right? Your role is looking for that quality is looking for, um, that accessibility is 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 making sure that we're meet, hitting a standard. The developer's role in their mind is to just get it to do the thing, <laughs> potentially. Now I know Crema employees are different, but our team's different. What <clears throat> what do you think the the posture is between how you work with? I mean, it could be through that pair program, it could through other things like that. How do you build that rapport with the developers and vice versa, where there is that that mutual trust to work really well together? Because I don't hear about that strife here, but I've heard some some challenges in, in, in that being a reality other places. It's definitely a reality and I've definitely lived through it in the past. It's not something that's ever really shown up here. I will say the first thing I noticed is every suggestion I have part of it excited about. Hmm. They really, wow. they're really open and they really get excited about anything that is an improvement across the board. It doesn't have Mm. to be to how I work or to how they work, but if it's seen as an improvement, they Mm -hmm. get really excited about it, which is super easy for me to make suggestions, to make change. That creates a very safe space for you. 
Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot of humility and a desire to get it right and not be right. Um, which again is not, which I would say is unique. It's not common, um, in all organizations, mm -hmm. but the, the fact that those that are, have created or developed it are excited for almost like, how can we push the envelope a little bit further? Or how can we make it a little bit better that kind of like, oh, I can plus one this and make it better. Excitement around that suggests a high level of curiosity and just a desire yeah, to get something to make it better, constant improvement. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that we all start together on a team at the same time, mm -hmm. there's right. never a chance for us to separate and really one group get ahead of the other knowledge wise and feel like they own that section of the knowledge. Right. We kind of carry ourselves together and through it. So when you're looking for clarity or double checking that your understanding is right, it's to this whole team. Right. Yeah. And so we always keep that even standing with each other. And that's made it a lot easier where if something, I hear something that's purely in the dev realm, but it can greatly help how I'm testing, or I can suggest how I would test it to help that. Um, it really just kind of opens and bridges that. Mm -hmm. And then well, we kind of work together. Because in that, in that type of working relationship with that kind of team dynamic, you're not the wet blanket on anybody's fire because you were there creating the fire from the beginning together with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love that. So Courtney just stepped into a new role. Uh, she's been a thought leader and just really uh, spearheading what does it look like to have not just quality assurance, but what does it look like to help create a quality organization that's building products together from multiple different viewpoints, but stepping into the role of director of test engineering. Tell us a little bit about what that's been like for you, your main responsibilities now, and especially as you look forward to the next several months, what does that role look like? Well, I think by and large, um, what I'm responsible for now is the growth and the quality practice of the test engineering team. And quality and test coaching across all of Crema, hmm. um, which is, you know, my ideal. That's, that's, it's so I, good I, at it too. <laughs> it's like, I've been, I've been testing for a long time and I really enjoy growing that among everyone else. Mm -hmm. And like we said earlier, not it's, it shouldn't be siloed with me. It sh I shouldn't mm. be this last mm. step that holds all this information. I really like sharing it out and kind of evening out everyone's knowledge of testing and getting, if everyone's knowledgeable about it, then we're testing all the way through. Hmm. Well, and we've had some new test engineers join the team. And so I think you've been crucial in that onboarding of, of new people. Um, <clears throat> what, are, what are some things that you're getting excited for the potential of as Crema grows, what test engineering and what quality will, will be at Crema in the future? Yeah, we're at a point now where we can really specialize and everyone now has a different interest in testing and where it can go. And we have the ability to spend our time focusing on what those different skills are. Mm -hmm. And so we have this testing plan where we're all kind of on our own towards our personal goals, but we're accountable to each other. And we mm. come together every two weeks and kind of like see where everyone has grown and share these new pathways that we've learned and new tools. And we go over them together and we're slowly growing our skill set, but keeping everyone on their own path of where they really want to go. Mm -hmm. 
And I love that. One of the, uh, I think one of the exciting things about um, this new group of directors that are around the craft is that, and it's been voiced by those that, are, that have the position is that keeping one foot in the craft itself, but also having one foot now and thinking down the road, what does it look like? Talk to us a little bit about that. What is that? Do you feel like that balance, um, as you talked about flexibility and finding balance now you have to even more so now in your role. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, how do you feel about that? Again, having a foot in the craft a foot in the strategic direction of it. Yeah. What talk to us a little bit about that. I really like, um, being on a product team and, getting down to test it. It's, it's a lot of fun finding things that are broken. It's, it's a lot of fun to save the day. It really is. And so that's, that. that's a quote. That's the quote of the podcast. That's it's a right. lot of fun to, to save, save the, day. the day. That's right. So that's, that's always going to be something that's going to be hard to like ever give up. And uh, so I really like being still a part of product teams and still yep. getting to go through those motions. Hmm. Um, but what I really want to do is move the test engineering team even further into the development team and mm. get much closer and more paired and move our testing further there. One thing that um, I hear pretty often is a lot of people suggest that people that are new to development start out in testing mm. and they use that as a pathway. Yeah. But in years that I've been testing, I've seen very few people actually make that jump actually fully bridged to development. Right. They end up getting siloed out into testing and never really get a chance to bridge those gaps and keep those skills sharp. Mm-hmm. We've had really good success. Um, our test engineering team, um, they've all gone through a free coding bootcamp called Launch Code. Mm. And so they've, they all have the aptitude and they've gone through the schooling and they have a uh, tendency towards development but they're still kind of open to opportunities. And so we've brought them into the testing team and trained them on the testing heuristics and basics and groundwork. And we've had a lot of success. Now, my biggest goal now is making sure that I don't let them stagnate. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want them to lose any of those skills or not keep up on the skills and ever feel like they're out of sync with our development team. Mm-hmm. So we've been working recently on um, using an existing framework that we already have, the apprenticeships, to kind of lengthen that out and use our existing projects that they're on and these supplemental classes to make sure that they're trained at the same level that our dev apprentices are. And mm-hmm. they would be able to uh, join the dev team on the, in their dev chats and book clubs and stay up to date with any skills that they have that way. Mm. It's, you know, there's moments I have to, uh, this is just going to, I'm, there's moments when I, I think back to when we were a small team, like maybe between four to eight people and we were winging it. Right. I mean, we were making stuff up. We were, I was testing. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) Tan was the test, you know, (laughs) The Dan user, as we used to call him, that Dan user, um, which actually was a pretty good test. He wasn't, he wasn't the most technically savvy guy. Um, I, to fast forward to where we are now, mm. as Crema's, you know, a- approaching 50 some odd people and to have a team dedicated to this craft, but also not, I love that you said, just not staying stagnant, like mm-hmm. that we all want to grow and get better. It's, it's both like 
It's like, wow, (laughs) this is awesome. Uh, It's an awesome that you feel Mm. empowered to do that. You feel like excited to do that. Um, and and I've seen the way that your team collaborates both with each other. Mm. Um, I've, I've kind of heard about some of those conversations and kind of peeked in through the window a little bit. And then, then I've also seen where, um, the product teams have really valued having each of those test engineers as a part of their team. And I just, I, I think that's such a beautiful thing to be at a point now where people are feeling that empowerment, that, that ability to step up and go, Oh, I can do this. And I could even take that into development and I could go further and I could, you know, go to where I want to be. Um, I love that. That's your posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. That's amazing. That's so cool. So Courtney, what is the, f- what is just the favorite part of your work? Hmm. What's your most favorite part of your job? I really, really enjoy getting to coach non-testing people on testing hmm. and letting them understand the way well, you're doing that- it right now. Yeah. You're doing it right now. <laughs> you need to spend more time with us because we have a lot to learn. <laughs> but it's, it's really, uh, a lot of people don't understand that how important yeah. what they do is to the quality of an application mm-hmm. and getting things out the door. Um, one of the things that we, as a test engineering team, we follow something called the modern testing principles. And there's a two uh, testers that created them a while back. And they're, I think that's just seven things. And the first thing is your priority is improving the business mm-hmm. overall, right. not just what you're building right here, but making sure you're not, you're seeing the whole picture and you're improving business as a whole. Mm-hmm. And um, the last one is that you expand testing knowledge across the team, even if that means you replace yourself. Because mm. right? especially like in, in the work that we do, projects have differing lengths and the amount mm-hmm. of testing I want to do might not fit into the length of time that we have a project. And yeah. so it's really good that this knowledge is passed along, that there's documentation in place that people can reference in case you don't have a tester. Well, if everyone knows how to test, your product is going to be of much higher quality. It's a really good point. I know several of our clients over the years, as we introduced test engineering as an additional role on a product team, uh, which of course, with the way that we sell product teams, that's an additional cost. And there's, there's always been that, like, uh, can we do it without the test engineering? Can we do it without this role that I don't understand ourselves? Yeah. Or we'll just test it, you know? Yeah. And Sometimes that would happen, you know, negotiating and stuff. And then, and then that test engineer or that role would get brought back in. Mm-hmm. And even if the developers were doing a good job of trying to do the best they could, mm-hmm. that role would get brought back in. And then um, the client, you could, there was, there were a few times when the client was like, oh, you know, like there's this, like, I had, I didn't, again, I didn't know what I didn't know, <laughs> you know until I actually experienced it. Um, and I think that's something we're fighting for more and more is that that becomes a norm of, no, this is, this, this has to be there in order for you to get truly the value that you want mm-hmm. towards the business, not just the product. Courtney, when you were just modern principles there, it made me think that it's so easy to think of as either, you know, quality assurance or test engineering as having a posture or a mindset of this is broke, fix it. Mm-hmm. but it's not, it's so much more holistic and integrated to where it's more like, 
wow, we have an opportunity to make this even better than it already is. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me show you how. So it's more of a, it's a, it's a, it's a forward looking, we can do this together. We're in this together versus, oh, you messed up, fix it. I love that. I love that holistic picture. Um, and it just makes me thankful for you and the rest of the test engineering team, because one of my most enlightening uh, experience at Crema from a product perspective was the lunch and learn you did on quality assurance. It, mm-hmm. it totally, cause it's like quality assurance is not a department. Quality assurance is everybody's mission. Um, and that's how you described it. It's not a task. It's a mission. Cause that's what, that's what, why we do what we do. We make products and they're quality. There's a, so lot, that, a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm just thankful for our clients and I'm happy for them that I'm no longer the one doing the testing. I mean, cause that's just ridiculous. Court, Courtney's thankful. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for being with us today. This was great. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I'm sure our listeners will as well, but I have taken away so many, I've written down so many notes. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here and yeah. Cheers. Bye, guys. Bye. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.